Welcome to the City Reach Baptist Podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Ready to uh, say good evening, everybody. Good evening, church. It's lovely to see all of you here and welcome to our visitors tonight. Those that I don't know, it's great to be with you. And I want to look forward to taking you through a passage where I want to speak to you about doubt. And I doubt that we will get through it in the time that we have. (laughs) I doubt that you'll stay awake. (laughs) I have many, many doubts. We do doubt. We, We doubt all the time. I do. I have many times doubted the Lord. And for many of us, that can be a weekly struggle, a monthly struggle. That can be a daily struggle. We doubt our salvation. We can doubt God's love for us. We can doubt that God hears us when we pray. Sometimes we doubt God's promises we worked out in our lives. We doubt that God is for us. We even get to the depth of doubting that God actually exists. And sometimes we wrestle and think that the Christian life is a fantasy, something that we bought into and that we don't have enough strength to break ourselves free from, that it's so much a part of our lives we can't imagine living without it, but it doesn't seem to make any sense and it doesn't seem to work for us. We hope it works for the people around us because if it works for them, it might rub off on us. Sometimes it can be a very, very, very lonely place to be. A lonely place because we continue to come to church and we continue to pray the prayers and we continue to read the scriptures. We continue to say the things that we need to say while all the time in the back of our heart we think, this isn't working for me. It's a load of rubbish. I don't know what's going on. Then like most human beings, when we find ourselves in that position, we become very introspective and think it must be about me. It can't be about anybody else. God is perfect, so it's not about God. It must be my fault. I must be so much of a reject and so broken that God has just put me to one side and his work and his wonder and his blessing is for other people and not for me. I just can't seem to make it work. You know what? You're not alone. Adam and Eve doubted. They doubted God and they actually walked with him in the garden It's not like they were having trouble believing whether God existed or not. He was actually knocking on their door every evening and saying, would you like to come for a walk in the garden? So they were well past that one, but they doubted God's truth. They doubted God's character. They doubted God's ability to bless them. And they doubted so much that they ate of the fruit when they were commanded not to. Abraham, a great man of God, doubted when he was told that he would have an heir. He was 90. His wife was a tad past what you would call the fertile stage, but he was racked with doubt. And when his wife gave him the opportunity to sow his seed in another direction, his doubt was so palpable and so real, he thought that was a good idea. Moses doubted when he stood before Pharaoh that God would actually come through. Israel doubted when, he, when they made the golden calf. Here they are being led by God and there's lightning and thunder and marvellous things happening and yet in a moment of madness they make a golden calf from their own hands and they bow down and worship it. I don't know whether it was 55 inch or 70 inch but they bowed down and they worshipped it. David doubted. David doubted. 
and in anger and in fear when he did not take the Ark of the Covenant home. These great men and women that we look at through the scriptures that we idolise, they were racked with doubt as we are often racked with doubt. It's really kind of cool if you think about it because we can often hold the scriptures in such a high esteem or the people in the scriptures in such high esteem that they seem to be in another world or on another level or operating within another paradigm that doesn't really relate to the muck and the rubbish that we have to tread through. But they went through the same things that we did. Thomas doubted when he heard about the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't doubt the existence of God. But he doubted this Jesus was the Messiah, the one who would bring salvation to the world. And he'd spoken to him and he'd walked with him and he'd seen him and yet he doubted. And then then he heard he had risen from the dead and still he doubted until the Lord himself revealed. And there's a secret here, I believe. He revealed himself to Thomas and said, See, Thomas, my hands and my side. And uh, finally, Thomas believed. Jude 22 says that God has mercy on those who doubt. And we need to have mercy on one another as we doubt. But most of all, we need to have mercy on ourselves when we struggle with doubt. Because doubt is a reality that we must face. George MacDonald said this, A person may be haunted with doubts and only grow thereby in faith. Doubts are the messengers of the living one to the honest. They are the first knock at the door of things that are not yet, but have to be understood. Let's turn doubt on its head if we can, because we've acknowledged that we all wrestle with it. And don't see doubt as a test of our faith, or don't see doubt as necessarily something we ought to be ashamed of. But let's look at doubt as something that God allows in our lives to drive us to know more about him. Doubt can appear as a servant of truth. Indeed, it is the companion of truth when it wields its sword against what is properly dubious. It is a citadel against credulity. Authentic doubt has the power to sort out and clarify the difference between certain and uncertain, the genuine and that which is not, or the spurious. So doubt can be a really useful and powerful thing in our lives if it will, if we will allow it to drive us to the living God. Okay, And I want, we'll tease this out in the second hour of this sermon. All right, Faith is much more than the absence of doubt. Faith is much more than the absence of doubt. But to understand doubt is to have a key to strong faith, a sound mind, and a quiet heart, doubt can be used to grow our faith, not to destroy us. There is no believing without doubt. No believing without doubt. Surely our minds at times question things that we think are not true or unsure of. And as we test those things and as we read into those things and as we study those things, so our hearts are bolstered by the truth and we come to a place of actually stronger faith and stronger belief and we find ourselves further away from unbelief than we ever have been before. And doubt is the wind that was in the sails of our hearts and minds that drove us to that place. So doubt is not something that should be feared 
doubt is something that will drive us to God. And therefore, even in doubting, uh, Os Guinness says, I believe. Now, I want to look at three things tonight. I want us to first look at the character of doubt. What is doubt all about? What's, what's it really, really about? Doubt is not the same as unbelief. Doubt is not the same as unbelief, okay? I want you to see that there is belief on this hand and unbelief on this hand. And what dwells in between is <laughs> enough to square children, scare children and young women, but is my head. Um, <laughs> what dwells in between these two things is doubt, okay? Now, so doubt is not unbelief and it's not belief but it is that which dwells in between these two things. And depending on how we deal with doubt, it will drive us to deep faith or it will drive us to unbelief. But make no mistake, when somebody says to you, brother or sister, I'm struggling in my faith and I'm doubting, they did not just say that they are unbelieving. They said they are struggling to believe and therefore they need not be condemned or put down or chastised. They need to be encouraged and listened to and understood. Doubt is not the same as unbelieving. So let's define doubt. Doubt is not the same as unbelief. So it is not the opposite of faith. Rather, it's a state of mind in suspension between faith and unbelief. Did you hear that? I need you to hear this tonight. There's belief on one hand, unbelief on the other, and doubt in the middle. They are not the same thing. It's doubt is the suspension of truth in the middle. It's as we wrestle with, is this right or is this wrong? And in that definition, doubt is not a sin. The Chinese speak of a person with a foot in two boats. <laughs> That's not going to end well. The Navajo Indians say this, they, that which is two with a person. And they have this understanding of the suspension of faith, as it were, the suspension of belief or the suspension of unbelief, doubt being in the middle. And James, as we've read, speaks about it this way. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded, unstable in all that they do. And what I want you to see from James here is that when we are in doubt, we are in that middle ground again where we are, as it describes, double-minded. We don't know whether we should move to the right or whether we should move to the left. And yes, I hesitated because I couldn't remember which was my left and which was my right. It's okay. Something I've struggled with all my life. We are, as the Bible says, double-minded. So it is a dangerous place to be. Doubt is not unbelief, it's not terminal, it's only a halfway stage that can lead us to a deepened faith as easily as break down to unbelief. Doubt can be the stepping stone to a tougher and deeper faith. But make no mistake, it's not where you want to stay. Doubt is not something that you hitch your wagon to and think, this is my home, I'm going to spend the rest of my life here. Okay? Doubt should be a knock on the door. It should be an alarm to us. It should be something that drives us. Now understand this. Drives us to test our faith because faith is testable. 
It should drive us to study the word of God. It should drive us to seek the mind of God. Doubt is not something that we should believe in. We should doubt doubt. But we should see it as something that the Lord is using to drive us to a deeper place. God is not happy for us to stay where we are. And I wish, look, so many of you, look at you, you're young and you're strong and you're beautiful and you're energetic and all those sorts of things. And I wish you could stay there because this side of the fence, it ain't looking too bright. (laughs) But the reality is we don't want to stay where we are. We don't want our faith to be like it is now. We don't want to be suspended in doubt, wondering whether God is really trustworthy and whether God is really for us and whether God really answers prayer and whether God is really dependable and whether God really exists. And we're too scared to test that because we fear that we may not be able to find an answer and then we'll lose what we already have. But actually what you have, if you're having doubts, that's no place to be. It's no good bedfellow. It does you no good other than allowing it to drive you to the living God. Doubt is nothing. Firstly, I want to clarify some misconceptions or some confusions about doubt. Doubt is nothing to feel guilty about. Though being in doubt is confusing, we need to trust our instruments. We need to recognise that God has given us a pathway out of doubt. So rather than being paralysed with guilt, rather than being ashamed of the fact that we doubt the faith, rather than coming along to church and hiding in the pew and being thinking to yourself in your heart, I'm glad nobody knows what I'm thinking. Because if they knew what I had done and what I'm thinking, they'd realise that I don't actually fit in here. Some of us can be on the outside of the Christian faith whilst we sit comfortably in the middle of church. We can be so excluded by our heart of doubt and by our fear of being found out, we find ourselves paralysed in the middle of church but utterly outside of church and on our own, looking in, hoping something will change and we can be in and not out. I hope that makes sense. Christians are committed to truth. That's what Christians are. Christians are, by nature, people who are committed to truth. This is the key to overcoming doubt in your life and using doubt as a tool to grow deeper in your faith. Doubt should not just paralyse you and hope that you're going to pick it up somehow. Rather, it's going to come through the brush of the fan on the roof or through the lighting or maybe a word from the person sitting next to you, or maybe it'll arrive in the mail. No, Christians are people who love the truth and who study the truth and are committed to the truth and realise, as God's word says, the truth shall set you... Whoosh, that's been that big. The truth shall set you free from doubt. The truth shall set us free. So we are people who are committed to the truth. We are people who believe in thinking, not just fair weather flies. You'll get a crack, you'll get a laugh out of this. I had to change the spelling because I spelt fair, F-A-R-E, first time. You'd think a guy with my name would actually get the correct spelling for fair, wouldn't you? (laughs) So 
That's a bit of a sad indictment. Not the sharpest tool in the shed up the front today. Augustus, or rather Augustine expressed it this way. Speaking about Christians who are committed to truth, Christians who believe in thinking, Christians who believe in studying God's word, Christians who believe in asking the right questions. He said they are like this. They are therefore like experienced pilots who can fly in bad weather as easily as in good, by night as well as by day, and upside down as well as the right side up. In other words, even though we are in the midst of doubt, we are not people who are tossed to and fro by doubt. We are not people who are paralysed by doubt. But as people who are committed to the truth, who are committed to believing, who are committed to thinking, the trials of life and the doubts that life can bring to us are actually an opportunity for us to test our faith, or an opportunity for us to grow deeper. I hate turbulence, but... Don't think I show it like I am as cool as a cucumber, unless you're holding my hand. Of course, you come off the plane with a broken hand. But I don't particularly enjoy turbulence. But turbulence in life, I don't enjoy that either. But actually, and it does create doubts within my life. I'm ashamed to say that I can move from doubting, from believing God's love for me, and one small thing happens during my day, and I have found myself accusing God of a lack of love and care for me, like a, a two-year-old having a tantrum in my office, most times at home in my living room with my beautiful wife. But we are meant to be people who can sail through the storms of life, who are mature and who see doubt as not something to be afraid of, but something that motivates us to grow in faith. We need to anticipate doubt and prepare your heart and your mind, be prepared for bad weather. And I missed the A there, you see. I have trouble with my weathers and my fares. Troubles are going to come. Do you agree? You must agree because you've already lived more than one week and you've had trouble in your life, haven't you? And tomorrow will likely bring more or at least the rest of this year will bring troubles to your life. These troubles are not meant to crush you. These troubles are not meant to throw you into doubt which paralyzes you and destroys your faith. Yes, these trials that you will face will bring doubts about is God real? Does God care? Does he really love me? Is he actually intimately involved with my life? Has he simply started the world and gone on a holiday and left me to sort it out myself? Yes, it will bring all those things. But these are opportunities for you to put your mind to gear and study the word of God. This is an opportunity for you to believe, to think, and grow deeper in your faith. So we need to be prepared. You need to be prepared today because trouble is coming tomorrow. Okay? One of my lecturers said that to me, you need to be prepared today. I didn't like preparing. I like to prepare in the exam. Um, but unfortunately, life has shown me that I need to prepare beforehand. It makes it a lot easier. I want you to listen to one of the secrets to being prepared. Psalm 34, verses 4 and 8. God met me more than halfway. This is from, I think, the New Living Translation. I just love the way it spoke. It, it, in some ways, it just uh, brings it home and makes it a little bit more intimate, if you'll allow me that. God met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious fears. 
Look at him. Give him your warmest smile. Never hide your feelings from him. When I was desperate, I called out. And God got me out of the tight spot. God's angels set up a circle of protection around us while we pray. Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. Being prepared to meet doubt face to face is not an intellectual exercise on its own. It's one thing to prepare your mind and to think deeply and to study God's word, but God wants to meet you personally. Our God is not a textbook or a series of studies or something impersonal that we need to learn a lot of information about so that we can find a verse to meet our fear. God is much more than this. God is personal and God is near. He is our maker he is our saviour, he is our friend and he wants to abide in us and he wants to walk with us and talk with us. He wants us to meet him personally. And I don't think in my life there has been any greater, any greater defence against doubt than to meet him face to face. This is what Job did in Job 42. We want to talk about trials, this man who was a patriarch, who was a leader in his community, who was a wealthy man, who was established, who had received the blessing of God. And God had revealed himself to Job through his wealth, through his prosperity, through his presence, through his position. In every way, God had moved powerfully in the life of Job. And within a period of time, God stripped all of this away. He lost his children and his livestock he lost his wealth, he lost his position, he lost his health. He ends up in the rubbish tip of his community, scraping the pus out of the sores on his legs and arms with a broken piece of pottery. Friends telling him and his wife, just curse God and die. This is too painful for us to watch. You think it's painful for you. We love you and we are broken hearted. We cannot understand what has happened but please put an end to it because your suffering is so great we cannot suffer anymore with you. But then Job goes beyond a baby faith. He goes beyond a faith that is often compromised by doubting. And God's love for Job is so great that he's not content to leave him there, but through the trials of life and the doubts of life, he drives Job to a much deeper place. I imagine while Job was losing his livestock and losing his children and losing his position, surely he must have doubted. Surely he must have thought, what is, what is going on in my life? Surely this God whom I've worshipped and trusted and obeyed is not the God who I thought he was. But then something amazing happens. Job comes to a deep understanding of God. God doesn't reveal himself in terms of arriving in front of Job on the back lawn and says, hey, Job, I'm here. He just asks Job a series of 72 plus questions that he can't answer. 
that take Job's, and I mean this with the utmost respect, I imagine, I so admire Job. I don't think I'd want to be in the same room with him. He's such a giant of a man. And yet God took his faith and just expanded it like that as he spoke to him. Because what happened was Job stopped thinking with his mind, as it were, and started seeing God with his heart. And he had a fresh vision of God, like we just read in that psalm. And it moved Job way beyond doubt. It moved Job to prostrate himself and worship the Lord. This is a great defence against doubt because what happens when we doubt is we isolate ourselves and we run away from God and we get caught up in our unbelief, our doubt, and we begin to say things and believe things about God that are not true. But God drew near to Job. We need to draw near to God and he says he will draw near to us. And then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hide counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and I'll make it known, and you will make it known to me. I have heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eyes see you, therefore I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. There's a wonderful, wonderful secret here. As we actually are confronted with the true living God, as we come to his word with a believing heart and a thinking mind seeking the truth, the Lord says that he will reveal himself to us. And as he reveals himself to us, he reveals himself to us so powerfully that it becomes a worship experience for us. And when we see the holiness of God, it drives us to repentance. It drives us to a place of humility before the living God. It drives us to want to unconditionally surrender our lives to him and say, Lord, you are far too great for me. I worship you. Please forgive me for my sin. And the Bible says those who humble themselves before the Lord, the Lord will exalt in due season. He is so tender to us in the midst of our doubt. So we need to approach God realising that doubt is not the end game, it's just God using it to drive us to something deeper. And we need to come to God and allow him to reveal himself to us. I want to close out with these thoughts. Resolve its challenges. I want us to resolve how we can deal with doubt. And I wanted to give you some practical steps on how you can deal with doubt. And if you have a pen, you might want to copy these verses down. First of all, I want you to test it. Just some practical tips. Do the work. Doubt the doubt. Why do, you, why do we believe our doubt? Like Doubt gets a free hit. We doubt. We don't test our doubt. We think, yeah, that, might, that must be true. Like I thought it up in my big brain, so it must be true. No, we need to doubt, doubt, and we need to test it. And we need to test it against the living word of God. We need to go to a brother or sister and say, I've had this thought, what do you think? Thessalonians says, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Sometimes we are so apathetic and so lazy that when we get a doubt, we're happy to invite it in. We adopt it into our family. We give it a name and we hang out with it during the week. But we've got to stop doing that. We've got to test our doubt. We've got to let it drive us to God's word. We can't continue to play around with it. It will bite you if you do. 
Doubt thrives in the darkness of isolation. So does depression. They are very similar in their makeup. What we can do if we're not careful and we don't use doubt as a tool to move us to God, we allow it to isolate ourselves. We begin to doubt, so we move from the first row to the third row to the fifth row to where that guy at the back there is sitting, like right back. How are you, Clive? I've money put on your leg. Okay. But we do that emotionally. We move right, right back. And we isolate ourselves. We move away from our real life groups. We move away from our close friendships. We move away from those men and women who we know to be mature, who actually won't look down their nose at us. They won't criticise us for doubting. They won't think that we're immature. They'll actually embrace us and pray for us and encourage us. And they might even share their doubts with you. Because doubt can lie to us. And Satan can use it to tempt us and to drive us away. Galatians 6, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's actually a privilege. So don't get isolated. If you're here and you don't have friends, then come and talk to us because you're not the first person to be there and you won't be the last. But don't let doubt isolate you. Psalm 34, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in the spirit. Okay? Doubt is not the end. It's the middle game that's meant to push you to deeper faith. And the way that God does that is not by isolating you, but is by drawing you deeper into fellowship so that you are standing with like-minded people who can share the truth of God's word with you from a different perspective and lead you to deeper faith. Hebrews 13.5 says, You are not alone. Even the fact that you may not feel like you can go to somebody, let's never forget that he will never leave us nor forsake us. God has not abandoned you. Though you doubt that God is with you, the truth of God's word actually contradicts that and says that he will never forsake you or leave you. We need to believe. We need to have believing minds and we need to believe the revealed word of truth because it leads us from doubt to deeper faith. John 16.33 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart because I'm not overly surprised, God says. Like, I'm not taken off guard by the fact that you're having trouble. Like, I didn't wake up this morning and think, oh, stuff, Jeff's in real trouble. What am I going to do? Like, God knew that. Okay. And then he says this, like, don't sweat bullets over that. I've overcome the world. And those who are in me have overcome the world. Okay. Let's be people who love the truth of God's word. 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Doubt drives us to a stronger faith. Hebrews 10 and 25. I love this one. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day, the, the final days drawing near. Don't let doubt isolate you because you're not odd or strange. Everybody doubts, okay? And doubt doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian or an ordinary Christian or a mediocre. That's, we're not even talking about that. That's just rubbish. Doubt is a natural part 
of being a broken person in a broken world, and then God hasn't left it there. God's turned it on his head, and he uses that to drive us to deeper faith. Don't you love the way that God does that? He takes what was meant to destroy us, and he uses it to make us more like him. So if you're here tonight, and you think that, man, I, I don't even think I'm saved. I have so many doubts. Will you just take a ticket and get in line because you're just like everybody else? If you think you're not born again because you've done some really naughty things, take a ticket and get in line. Everybody else has too. If you think that God doesn't exist and you're too scared to tell anybody that, don't do that. Come and tell us. Let's reason together. Let's talk together. Let's pray together. Let's encourage one another. Let's build one another up. But if I had one piece of advice before I go to be with the Lord, I thought that was funny. That'd be really cool to be able to say that now. Just disappear. You guys would just be stoked. Like, we remember this sermon forever. Can you imagine this on the video? Everybody on YouTube would be watching that. Like, just the last 30 seconds. Watch this guy disappear. He's gone. It's so cool. If I could say one thing for you, please understand that What doubt can do if we don't handle it the right way is it drives us to isolation, not just from one another, but most importantly, from the living God. And I want you to reverse that trend by using doubt as a way to seek the Lord and claim the promise that as you seek him, he will reveal himself to you. If you don't know how to seek the Lord, then come and talk to an older person who knows how to seek the Lord, that you might meet him face to face like the psalmist did. And know that he will meet you and love you and, worship, and you can worship him. Come and meet an older Christian who can lead you to see the Lord like Job saw the Lord. Because as you see the Lord, doubt flees from you and your faith grows deep. But don't think for a moment you're strange if you doubt. You're just like every other ordinary person here tonight. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you that you have met me in my many, many daily doubts as I have wrestled with different things and I've interpreted my tribulations as your lack of love for me because I've been so foolish, so doubting of you. But I thank you for my brothers and sisters who have encouraged me and who have lovingly revealed your grace towards me. Father, I thank you that you see my doubts and you do not reject me, but you speak to me and you reveal yourself to me. And as I wrestle with you over these things, you grow my faith deeper. I thank you that you have not abandoned me to just live this little comfortable, flurry, floss, fluffy life and escape into heaven, but you have plan for me to go through trial and tribulation because you want me to be more like your son and you want to grow my faith deeper. And I have to say, I don't particularly enjoy it. And I find it very, very hard when I suffer and most times because of my own stupidity. But I thank you that you have never left me. I thank you that you have been tender towards me. I thank you that you have revealed yourself to me through your word and through my brothers and sisters. I thank you that you have been so gracious when I have humbled myself before you and repented of my sin. You have not smashed me, but you have put your hand upon me and you've raised me up. 
I thank you when I wrestle with doubt. It's not to my destruction, but it's because you want to grow me and make me more like you. And I bless you for these dear people here. I know they wrestle with doubt. I know that they judge themselves and they feel like they're filthy sinners who don't deserve your love. But that's just so not true. You love them with an everlasting love. And together we are broken people who come before a God who is a great healer. We thank you for your mercy in Jesus' name. Amen.